to the city of London. It's been a it's been a massive trek there from out in Weybridge in the in the slicks. So it's it's also nice for me to get a taste of what you guys are going to be experiencing. Um, I do want to apologize in advance. I don't have to apologize to Sally because when she heard I was preaching, she decided to get out of it immediately and do shine because she's heard my sermon. Um, but Sophisa and Melanie, Melanie, I, I do apologize. You're going to have to listen to my sermon again. But um, I don't know if you've seen Men in Black, you know, that pen that they look at. <laughs> Just forget everything. <laughs> so I trust God will speak to you that you'll learn something new as well this morning. Okay, so um, my first slide basically is, um, I'm just going to show you a few pictures. Well, my sermon's name this morning is Living on Purpose. Um, and I'll get to that, to that scripture in a moment. But if you look at those people over there, um, so who knows who this guy is on the front cover of National Geographic? That's probably taken about 50 years ago, though. Who knows who that is? Nobody. Okay, it says Everest. I'll give you a clue. It says Everest. So obviously it was 50 years ago. So Scott, he was the first guy in Antarctica. I could have had him as well. That guy's name is Sir Edmund Hillary. He was the first guy, um, or one of the first people to climb Mount Everest that we know about. Um, this guy here, who knows who that is? And that's not Neil Armstrong. That guy at the bottom is Neil Armstrong, first guy on the moon. This guy is... No. No. Yes, his name is Felix Baumgartner. He was the guy that held the record for the highest free fall ever. So basically, he climbed into this big hot air balloon that took him up um, into space, and he jumped out in a space to held the record for the highest skydive. But then about six months later, this guy who worked for Google that nobody knows, well, hardly anybody knows him, he, he'd been secretary training for years, and then he just, when he saw this work, he just beat his record by a few meters. So I think he was a bit upset. But um, anyway, we'll, we'll, pre- we'll teach him, that we'll preach a forgiveness sermon to him one day. Um, and this guy's name is Ryan Sands. He's a South African. He is the first guy to have won an ultra marathon on each continent. So all of these guys here, they are pioneers in their own field. Um, and when we think about them, we often think about their successes. So, or what they're remembered for. So if you think of Neil Armstrong, the first thing you, you would probably think about is first guy on the moon. Um, Edmund Hillary, you would probably think first guy on Everest. But we often don't think about what it took behind the scenes for them to get there. So we, we might not think. So Ryan Sands, for example, he um, part of his training to train for these marathons in the desert was he actually ran with a rain, like a rain jacket um, up Table Mountain in the 40-degree heat, and people thought he was crazy. But we don't remember him for that. We remember him for his victories. So this morning, I'd like, to, I'd like us to think about, um, about that. So, so what, is, what do we, um, what, what has happened behind the scenes? I'm going to ask a lot of questions this morning, or I'm going to ask you to ask yourself a lot of questions this morning. Um, and you don't necessarily have to answer it all immediately, but it's just to get you thinking. So what are these guys remembered for, and what would you like to be remembered for um, in life? So I don't know about you, but I've gone through this exercise many times before. Um, this, by the way, is, is cheating a bit because I used this slide for my assembly as well at school, but um, at the, the rest of the sermon is quite different. So what do you want to be remembered for? I remember I've gone through this exercise many times before. So 
Um, I've, you know, first of all, I've had like a bucket list of things I want to achieve in my life. And, you know, some of them I've already achieved. And, for example, when I was at school, I went bungee jumping, and um, that was really cool, and I could tick that off. And then I thought, I want to work at this bungee jumping place one day. So then I worked when I was a student. That was my first holiday job. And it was nice. My job was to test the ropes every morning. So they threw me off there, and if I'm alive, so the ropes worked. Um, but that was a really cool experience. And in my running, I've had a few goals that I've accomplished as well, and all sorts of things. And people, all of these guys will tell you um, that there's an emptiness just by reaching your goals. That's not going to fulfill for you. So then I took it a step further, and I thought to myself, okay, let's, um, let's look at my roles in life. So as a father, um, I would like to be a successful father or a successful husband or a, or a friend or whatever. So I took it a step further. And then I went even deeper, and I thought to myself, okay, you know that thing about your funeral one day, and what are people going to say about you at your funeral? And then you work backwards. So you sort of write your own obituary and, you, you, and that type of thing. And even that sounds, as wise as it sounds, I actually realized that even that is, is not the ultimate. Because at the end of the day, um, it's not gonna be, I'm not going to be judged based on what people said about me and the nice things people said about me, but based on what God said about me and what God thought about my life. So that is, that is the ultimate, that is the ultimate um, sort of test of how successful your life is. It's not about how successful you are or how people, what people say about you, but it's what, what God says about you. So doesn't it make a lot more sense then to work backwards from that point? So what is God going to say about my life? What is he, he going to have to say about my life um, one day? And um, I just quickly want to read about a, a, similar, a guy that had a similar question for Jesus. Um, and this guy, he was also probably thinking about the meaning of life and what he has to do, what's the most important thing in his life. And in Matthew 22, we read about a question he asked, and he said, what command is the, the most important? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and most important command. And the second command is like the first, love your neighbor as you love yourself. All the law and the writings of the prophets depend on these two commands. Okay, so basically, Jesus says here, the meaning of life, the purpose of life, is to love God and is to love your neighbor. And my sermon's finished now. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you that you, um, that, you, that you love us, Father God. Thank you that your purpose in our lives is, 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 is for us to love you and for us to love each other. And we pray that you'll help us with that and give us the grace to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. David said I must keep it short this morning. So, um, But as I said in, in my bridge a few weeks ago, I mean, I can actually end my sermon there. I don't have to say lots more about it because that's the essence of the meaning of life and the success of life is loving God and loving our neighbor. So I can actually end it there and we can just pray and ask God to help us to love each other. But David's looking, give me a funny look there. So I'll, I'll have to say a bit more. I'll have to color it in a bit more. So um, if you don't mind, I just want to say one or two more things. So um, God does, you know, obviously there are other things in our lives that we ask about. We ask questions about where should we be living? What job should we be doing? Who should I marry? 
So all of these things, we want to know, okay, is it God's will for me to live here or to live in this country? Is it God's will for me to do this job or that job, to marry this person or that person? And God does care about those things. He, he, he is a God of detail. But in the bigger picture, these things are minors. So the major thing is loving God and loving our neighbor. Um, but let's look at things like marriage that a lot of people worry about. Jesus says in Matthew 22, verse 30, when people rise from the dead, they will not marry, nor will they be given someone to marry. So, yes, marriage is important to God, and obviously He's instituted it, and it's, I don't want to, by any means, say that it's not important, because it reflects Christ in the church, but eternally speaking, marriage is going to end. So, in eternity, we're not going to be married anymore. So, that's a temporary thing that's, gonna, that, that, that's lasting here on earth. Second thing is, and we, we, we all go to this, I'm going to this as well. But Jesus says, don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So that, the second thing is basic essentials. And we can, in, in this day and age, we can even include things like where should we work or where should we live, all of those things. But God promises to take care of those things. And then Philippians 4, verse 13 to 14, um, Paul says, I've learned by now to be quite content whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much, with much as with little. I find the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. And then this verse here, whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. That's, that's a message um, version. But basically, Paul says, whatever I have or don't have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. So actually, what Paul's saying, it, you can be wherever you, wherever you are. You can be in the middle of Africa, or you can be here, or you can be wherever. But like Sally also mentioned, if you're in God's will, then you can make it through there. You can actually be anywhere and do God's will because he gives you, he gives you the strength to do that. So um, if I go to the next slide quickly, um, I love this illustration. I don't know if you guys have heard of this. It's called the fox hedgehog analogy. So if you, basically, if you have to have a fox against a hedgehog in a fight, I have to clarify in a fight because last time I said it, people didn't know. They thought like size or prettiness, whatever. But let's say they have to fight against each other. Who's always going to win? Or 99% of the time, who's going to win? Who votes for the fox? Who votes for the hedgehog? Okay. Sorry, majority wins. So um, the hedgehog, yes, you guys are right. The hedgehog will actually win most of the time. You'd like to tell me why the hedgehog, and Sophisa and Melanie, you may not answer. Or you can answer, but you won't get your free coffee at the end. Who, um, who say, why would you say the hedgehog would win every time? Yes, exactly. So that's all he does. He doesn't have 20 different strategies. He's got one strategy, but he does have one strategy really well. And that's to roll into a little ball, and then the fox can't touch him. Whereas the, the fox has got 20 different strategies, but, you know, he's, he's, he's sly but it's not as good as a hedgehog's one strategy. And basically, um, this principle is used in 
um, sort of in organizations that want to improve, they call it the, the fox hedgehog principle. And that's what an organization needs to do or a business needs to do to improve is to focus on the main thing and, and to put all its re energy and resources into that main thing and become really good in that thing. Because that's, that's what most great companies do. That's what most great organizations do is they focus on the thing that sets them apart and they become really good in that thing. Whereas companies that try and diversify too much often fall flat. So um, in terms of the main thing, what is the main thing in life? What is the thing that Jesus, Jesus wants us to do? And Barry's already given us the answer. Thanks, Barry. That's okay. You can leave it up there. Um, we've just, you've, just, you've just deprived somebody of a free coffee now, Barry. But, you know, I'll give it to you. It's on Barry. Thanks, Barry. <laughs> So the main thing that God wants us to do according to the Bible, and as we just saw, is to love Him and to love our neighbor. Okay, so I refined my mission statement, if you want to call it that, and I just called it love God, love my neighbor, because I'm somebody that likes this type of thing. I like writing down goals, and I like working towards goals, and I like reflecting sort of that. that that's just what I like doing. I know not everybody likes it, but I think it's really, really important just to write down what you stand for in life and, and where you're working towards. So I really had this long thing and I just basically refined it to this, love God, love my neighbor. And then I read this book by this guy called um, Rick something, Rick Warren or something like that. He's, very, he's not very well known. And his, his book has only sold, I think, yeah, I think it's the second best-selling book after the Bible, actually. It's called The Purpose Driven Life. Now, I was a bit, I read it long ago, and I was a bit skeptical because, you know, you hear this purpose-driven life. And lots of Christian books are actually no more than a self-help book with a few scriptures thrown in. Because it's actually all about me, 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 me. And then just to make it appeal to the Christian market, they throw some scriptures in. But actually, when I open the book, the, first, the very first line says, it's not about you. And that made me read a bit further, and that was quite cool for me. So I'm not going to do a book review this morning or anything like that. But one thing that I took out, what I, what I took from the book was um, just, he also spoke something about this, but, but there, were, there were five themes. And then I thought to myself, okay, um, these, these things do make sense. So let me see how it's applicable to my life. Now, I'm not saying you have to copy this or you have to do, you have to do exactly the same. Yours might look totally different to mine, but I'm just going to share with you an example of the, the questions I ask myself on a daily basis to help me to do these two things more effectively. And I think it's really important to share it with somebody else as well so that they can keep you accountable. So I'm not saying this is a law. The Bible does say, I think it's in... Amos, it says, write down the vision. So it's important to pray and to ask God, Lord, what does it look like on an everyday basis? What questions can I ask myself to keep me on track? So the first thing, so the themes are basically, and, and it was quite cool because Anne-Marie, she's, she's a psychologist by trade, and um, she, we had a, a little encounter, one in church the other day, and her session was on spiritual growth. And she went through the, the basic disciplines of spiritual growth, things like praying and reading your Bible and all the way down to missions, which you guys are going on. And um, she basically compared them to the life stages. So things that are essential for us as Christians, which, which are non-negotiables, things like reading the Word and praying, 
Those are like the baby stages. If you take that away, you're going to die. Okay, so we need to do that very, very frequently. Then you get things like serving, which, which is more adolescence, which, sorry, fellowship was the next one. So she basically said, we can actually live and survive as Christians without fellowship, but we, we're denying ourselves a blessing, and we're denying other people a blessing, because God created us for fellowship. And then serving is another thing. So you can go to fellowship. You don't have to serve, but serving is, is, is that's like you're becoming more and more mature. And then finally, like fatherhood or parenthood or motherhood would, would then be something like missions and evangelism. So you've got an, a totally outward focus. And it was quite cool, like going through these themes. And I thought to myself, okay, cool. I can actually order it in the same way. So I refined it and everything. So anyway, this is what mine looks like. So if you go to the next slide. So the first, so these are the themes: worship, discipleship, fellowship, service, and evangelism. And it was it was quite in line with with Anne-Marie's. And so I just work, put it in my own words. So I said, for me, worship means glorifying God through total obedience. And I'm just going to touch on everyone. Um, and like like um, we saw in the video earlier on as well, what's important. I'm not saying this is a prerequisite for us to go on missions, but it is important if you're not part of the team going on missions you can still do that over here because God will be preparing you to go on missions or to do that even while you're here. So don't feel you're missing out and don't think, oh, I'm not going with the team to Malawi. Um, I'm missing out because you're not because God wants us to do that whether in Malawi or whether we're here. He's preparing us. So for me, worship is glorifying God through obedience. Discipleship for me means growing in eternal character and helping other people to do the same. Fellowship is being fully planted in a local life-giving church. Service is adding Christ value, and I'll explain to you why I said Christ value. And then evangelism is boldly sharing, being led by the Holy Spirit. So let's just look at the first one quickly. Um, okay, so worship, when the, when the band was here, Shofar band was here a few months ago, um, they asked us the question, what do we think worship is? And I, I think by now many people know worship isn't just singing. It's not just a slow song. Because in the beginning I always thought praise is a fast song with clapping and worship is a slow song where you like, um, don't clap. So that's, not, that's, that's part of worship, but worship is actually obeying. Um, and one of, the, one of the greatest acts of worship is our obedience to God. So offering is worship. If God says to do something, that's worship. Um, it's it's a lifestyle, okay? It's not just a, it's not just an act or a song. It's actually a lifestyle. And Colossians one verse sixteen says, "All things were created for and in Him." So we were created to worship Jesus. Isaiah forty three verse seven says, "We were created for His glory." And in Revelation four verse eleven, all things exist because you created what you pleased. So it pleased God to create us, and He created us to worship Him as well. If you go to the next slide. Um, discipleship is, is growing in eternal character and helping others do the same. So, um, once again, I've got, I mean, when I was preparing this sermon a few weeks ago, two weeks ago, on the Saturday night, like that, that Saturday, I got news about something that, that just upset me. I was like, this is really disappointing. And then I thought to myself, well, how am I going to, how can I prepare a sermon if I'm feeling like this? And then I realized right there, I've got a choice to make. I can either sulk or I can actually just 
praise God and pray and worship God and prepare. And then I realized, actually, what's more important to God than me getting what I want is me growing in my character. Because for me to really make a decision, say, okay, Lord, I'm going to worship you and I'm going to focus on you now and I'm going to forget about my own disappointments and stuff, um, that, that to me was actually more valuable in the long run and in eternity than just getting what I, I would have wanted. So, um, so growing an eternal character, because our character is something that we're gonna, we can take with us. Whereas stuff on earth and accomplishments or whatever, we're not going to take with us. And also, it's, it's also about helping other people to do the same thing. So, in, um, in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3 to 4, it says, Paul says that, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who comforts us in our sufferings, so that we can also encourage other people in their sufferings. So we're not just blessed for ourselves, we're blessed to be a blessing to other people. And that's not just materially. We often talk about blessing so we can be a blessing in terms of material things, and that's also true, but it's also in terms of your character. If you've gone through a difficult time and God blesses you through that time, you can then encourage people that are going through a similar thing. So um, so it's, it's about discipling, it's about making disciples of all nations, and that's what you guys are doing. It's things that the team is doing. You guys have learned certain things here in, in England or throughout your life, and you've just got an opportunity now to go and bless other people with, with what you've learned. And that's a massive privilege as well. And that's part of making disciples of all nations. Okay, the next, the next one is fellowship, being fully planted in a local life-giving church. So it's really encouraging um, to see that, I mean, I, I know most of you, and I know that most of you are planted here, and it's, it's great to see how God blesses you when you're planted. Um, and it's, I mean, it's that old analogy of a plant can only be, really be a fruit once it, once it takes root somewhere. So it's, I just want to encourage you, wherever God plants you one day, if He sends you to another country or if he, if, to another village or town or whatever, is to find a place where you will be planted because then you're going to bear fruit. And on short-term missions, yes, we, we don't go, we, we normally go for one or two weeks and it's a short-term thing. It will be interesting to see how that develops as we, as we saw in the video in, in future. But for now, we mainly focus on short-term missions, but we are planted, we know we're planted in a local church and that local church sends us out to those places. So we still plant and we're part of the bigger body. Um, See, so yeah, just that Psalm 92 verse 13 says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Um, and, and, and just the, the importance of not isolating yourself either. If you're going through a tough time and you least feel like going to church, I remember that's one of the, one of the first lessons I learned as a young Christian was the times you least feel like going to church or home group are actually the times you most need to go to church or home group. So don't let the devil isolate you. Be planted and part of that. The next thing I thought to me that's really important to help me to love God and love my neighbor is service. And um, service is actually about adding value to people. So I can, in my work, I can add lots of value. Um, as a citizen of society, I can add lots of value. And there are many, many great people that have received numerous awards for their contribution to society, knighthoods, you know, Nobel Peace Prizes, things like that. And I'm really grateful to, 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 to hear about things like that. And I don't want to knock that because 
God's often used people like that as well. But I actually, as I said earlier on, I don't just want to be known as somebody that was a good person and that's added value to society. This sounds a bit harsh, but in terms of charities and in terms of feeding the poor, we call to help the poor and to feed the poor. But if we only give them food and we don't give them the gospel and the truth about Jesus, then we as Christians actually believe that you know those people will be going, they might have full stomachs, but they will be going, to, and this sounds very harsh, but they'll be going to hell with full stomachs. So if we just give them the material things, but we don't give them the spiritual things, then as Christians, we've got to add Christ as well. We can't just add value. We, we have to add value. We can't just give them the gospel, not bread, but we've got to give them both. Um, and that's also what's really great about missions, is you can go, sometimes certain missions are to help with a practical need, but it's, it's, it's mainly focused on making disciples and raising people up. So um, Jesus says, that in your lives you must, or Paul says, in your lives you must act and think like Christ Jesus who gave up his own place with God and made himself nothing. He was born as a man and became like a servant. So if Jesus serves, we know that that's really important to him. That's on his heart. So it's not just about adding value. Yes, we have to add value wherever we are. But it's about adding Christ value. It's about going that extra step and bringing Jesus into the equation as well. And he'll give you wisdom and discernment of how to do that in your specific situation. Ask him for wisdom and he'll show you. Um, the last thing then is evangelism. You can also say missions if you want to. Um, and that's boldly sharing, being led by the Holy Spirit. So um, an example there is of boldness is, I remember when I, was a, when I, was, when I first became a Christian, I, um, I knew that I needed to share the gospel, but it was difficult for me to talk about my faith sometimes. And then about five years later, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And that made a massive difference in my life. So normally when something changes your life, you just want to share you just want to share it with everybody. And I remember myself and a friend of mine who'd also recently been baptized in the Holy Spirit. We we had just joined this church, we just joined so far, but we we were still we still committed to go on a missions trip with a more traditional church in South Africa. And this church didn't really practice or preach the gift of the Holy Spirit like we do. So, although it was in the Bible, it wasn't really, you didn't really see, see manifestation of that. And we just thought, oh, we just want to share this with everybody on the team. And as we were praying, the two of us, we just felt the Holy Spirit saying, don't preach to anybody, just share your testimony, just be patient, just share your testimony. And every morning on this missions trip, we had different prayer partners. So one morning I might pray with David and read the Bible, and the next morning I might pray with Sophisa. And it was funny because every single morning, then some, or almost every morning, then, then somebody on the team would say, there's something in you and in this guy that's different. What is it? You've just got this enthusiasm for Jesus, and there's, there's just something different in you. What is it? And that gave us opportunity to share our testimony. It's like, okay, um, I've been a Christian for five years, but I've... I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and that's made all the difference in my life. He's given me boldness to share my testimony. And, for example, um, if somebody asks me a question, I'll be able to think of a scripture like that. And I know that that's the Holy Spirit that reminds me of scriptures. So it was just like things like that. And then we had the opportunity to pray for three people to be filled with the Holy Spirit as well. 
Um, whereas if we had just gone and preached to everybody, we might have offended people and brought disunity in the team and everything. So it's about being listening to God, listening to the Holy Spirit in your situation. Um, but the Holy Spirit also gives us boldness to share what we need to share. So it doesn't become a chore to evangelize or to share your faith. It's not about you have to convert people. It's, it's just about sharing what God has done in your life, sharing life with people and leaving the rest to God because ultimately those people have to make the decision. We can't make decisions for them, but we trust God to introduce himself to them so that they can experience Jesus as well. So Luke 21 verse 14 to 15 Jesus says, Make up your minds not to worry ahead of time about what you will say. I will give you the wisdom to say things that none of your enemies will be able to stand against or prove wrong. So what's great about partnering with God and partnering with the Holy Spirit is we don't have to worry about it. We, we, have to, we need to be obedient, worship Him, um, and we know, as we saw earlier on, if we do that, He'll give us everything we need, physically and spiritually, to, to do the mission that's ahead of us. So um, we're, gonna, we're just going to commission these guys now, this morning. Um, but one, one, one takeaway I'd like you to take with you this morning is don't feel that you're missing out if you're not going this morning. And trust God for an opportunity to go on missions one day. It's, it's, it's an amazing experience. I've gone on, on two mission trips before and it's been, I'd say it's, it's two defining moments in my relationship with God in terms of my growth. I just grew exponentially. It was maybe difficult on the, on the mission itself, but when I came back, I just realized how much I'd grown. And um, so, so trust God to take you there. But also, like we, like we heard earlier on this morning, use the time now, use the opportunity now to grow in that because we're actually always on missions. And um, if you have to write something down just to help you to focus, as I said, what I've done there this morning, that sort of formula, you don't have to copy that. Yours might look totally different, but it does sometimes help to write something down to keep us on track. Are we loving God? Are we loving our neighbor? And working back from that point on when God will judge us one day and he will say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Um, because Jesus is a foundation that we all build on. We know that there are two types of judgments. There's a judgment for believing in Jesus and not believing in Jesus that determines where we go, to heaven or hell. But then there's another judgment called the believer's judgment. And in 1 Corinthians 13, um, let me just read it for you quickly. Paul basically says, um, oh, sorry, 1 Corinthians 3, he says, For no one can lay any other foundation other than that which we, have or which we already have, Jesus Christ. So that's Paul speaking to all believers here. We know that's a, the, the common denominator. But then he says to all believers, anyone who builds on that foundation by use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, which are good things, wood, hay, or straw, which will obviously be burnt up. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burnt up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, so he'll still be saved, but like somebody barely escaping through a wall of flames. So I want to encourage you this morning to think about that. So we all have Jesus. We're all going to heaven um, because we believe in Jesus and, and, and we obey him and we serve him. But what are we building on our foundation with? Will it 
will it be a good reward that we're going to receive or are we just going to sort of go to heaven as with, with almost barely escaping through a wall of flames as, as Paul says there. So it's not to scare anybody or anything like that. It's just actually more to encourage you. Um, yeah. So I'd like, to, I'd like to pray for us quickly and then I'm going to invite the team up and then if you would also like to, to pray for the team, I'd like to invite you forward. We can lay hands on them and we're going to, we're going to send them. Okay, Father God, we want to say thank you for, thank you, Father, for life. Thank you for giving us eternal life. Thank you for Jesus Christ as a foundation, Lord. And Father God, we know that we don't always get things right, Lord. We know that we, we, we fall short of the mark, Lord God, often. But we just want to say thank you for your grace, Lord, that, that we saved through grace, Lord, by faith, not through our works, Lord. And Father, having said that, Lord, we know that faith without works is dead. And we pray that the works we do will be worthy. We pray that the works we do will be works that will be like gold and silver and precious jewels, Lord. Works that won't be burnt up on the day of judgment, Lord God. We pray, Father God, that we will love you and love our neighbor. And I pray that you'll show each one of us specifically, Lord God, what questions we can ask ourselves to help us to do that daily, Father God. And Lord, it's not in our own strength that we're going to get it right, Lord. It's through the Holy Spirit. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you will empower us to love our neighbors, we love ourselves, and to love you with everything in us. And I pray, Lord God, for a boldness to share what you've done in our lives. I pray for missions, Lord, and a lifestyle, Father God, of, of missions, just to be part of our everyday lives, wherever we are, whether we're here or whether we're in the, in the heart of Africa, Lord God. We pray for this in the name of Jesus. And Father, we just want to say thank you for for this team that's going to be sent out, Lord. And yeah, we just give you all the glory for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. But for, for those of us remaining behind, we pray, Lord God, that you will work on our character. And we pray, Father God, that, that we will have that, that missions mindset every day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.